Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Saturday, February 25th college basketball DFS slate that is available on FanDuel and DraftKings. We're going to have a primary focus on the DraftKings one, though. DraftKings is doing a 12-game early slate that starts at noon. It is the one that they're putting all of their high-dollar contests in, all of their big entry pools, all of the big GPPs for DraftKings are going on that slate. The FanDuel slate is starting at noon as well, but the FanDuel slate is a nine-gamer, which is honestly pretty big for FanDuel, and five of the games kind of bleed over into this noon slate from DraftKings with the other four coming later in the day. So the primary focus is going to be DraftKings, but obviously all my opinions on these players apply if you're playing on FanDuel as well, and I'm going to make sure to point out when guys are particularly affordable on FanDuel as opposed to DraftKings. So that's what you got in store for your episode today. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. It really helps me out a lot. If you subscribe, you'll get notified when new episodes drop. And our next episode, we will be back at it next week with college basketball action all week long. Um, so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when the next episode drops. That'll most likely be late Sunday night, previewing the big Monday slate. We will also have our golf preview for the Arnold Palmer Invitational coming up next Monday night. So if you are interested in playing DFS golf or betting on the golf market or playing one-and-done fantasy golf, um, then you would be in the right place to check out that preview. If you're just here for the college basketball, I encourage you to try out the golf content. All right, enough about the introductions. Let's go ahead and talk some college hoops. We're going to talk about the games that we want to target before talking about the options at the guard position and the forward position. So let's get into it. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. This slate on DraftKings is honestly one of the most juiciest slates I can recall in recent memory in terms of having games that have high totals, in terms of having teams that like to push the tempo, and teams that have guys who you know you can kind of rely on night in and night out in terms of fantasy production. This is one of the better slates I've seen all year, and the games to target is going to kind of exemplify that. So the first game that we want to target is going to be UConn at St. John's. That one has a total of 152 according to Vegas. Ken Palm has this one as UConn 80 to 71, so 151 points scored. The previous matchup was a St. John's 85 to 74 win. Um, so the Huskies are surely looking for revenge in this one, and I do believe they will get it. St. John's has pretty much everybody back in their rotations. This is like the most full strength St. John's team we've seen in a while. However, I would still expect the Huskies to win. We know that St. John's loves to push the tempo. They're second in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm. And so I would definitely think that this is a prime opportunity to target some UConn guys and some St. John's guys. Now, the second game that we want to target is Arkansas at Alabama. The total in this one is 151.5. Ken Palm has it as 79 to 71 Alabama. The previous meeting between these two teams was an Alabama 89 to 74 win that really wasn't even that close. It was kind of a blowout in the second half. Now, what is relevant, though, is that Arkansas did not have Nick Smith Jr. in that game, and I really think that he does make a difference for the Razorbacks, and I do think that they have done a lot better job of stabilizing their rotation in the front court. So I think this will be a much closer game than the last one especially with all the extra outside drama going on with the Alabama program right now. Now, the third game that we do want to target is Arizona State at Arizona. The total in this one is also 151.5. Ken Palm has it as Arizona 82-71, to and the previous matchup was a 69-60 to Arizona, just kind of a ho-hum win in that one. Now, the last game that we do want to target is a Missouri at Georgia matchup that is really juicy. The total is only 151, but Ken Palm has this one as Missouri 80-77. to Missouri loves to push the tempo. Neither team is very big. Neither team rebounds very well. Both teams love to run and push the tempo and miss a lot of shots. So this should be a really good game for fantasy production, especially with Ken Palm having it as 157-point score. Now, at risk of, you know, kind of mentioning the, the whole slate, 
like we haven't even mentioned like a lot of teams that score a lot of points and really like to push the tempo. We haven't mentioned NC State. We haven't mentioned Texas. We haven't mentioned Baylor. We haven't mentioned Kansas State. So there's a whole lot of teams on this slate that get up and down and a whole lot of teams that you can target guys from. So that makes a nice little segue into talking about the guard position. I just mentioned Kansas State as a team that we hadn't mentioned yet. Well, we're going to mention them right now. Marquise Noel has some of the best upside of any option on this slate, in my opinion. Oklahoma State's defense has, like, left the building. Like, it's, it's weird. Like, they were a great defensive team in the middle of the Big 12 season, and now they just kind of stopped. They've given up at least 85 points in three straight games. And if Kansas State gets to 85, it's going to be through Noel because he has an insane usage rate. And he really didn't have that big of a usage rate against Oklahoma State earlier in the season. He had 41 fantasy points on only 12 shots from the floor in a 65-57 to win against Oklahoma State earlier this season. Uh, I would tend to believe that this game is going to feature more than 132 points. Oh, I'm sorry. I did the math wrong. More than 122 points scored in that game. Um, and I also think that if they do get there, it's going to be because of Noel. Wow, high school math teacher getting that math wrong. Imagine that. Anyway, glad I corrected myself. Now, looking down the board at the guard position, we were right on Wednesday night about Jarkel Joyner being the better fantasy option over Terquavion Smith against Wake Forest. Jarkel Joyner had 42 fantasy points in that game. Terquavion Smith had 25. But the weird thing is, is that even though Joyner continues to outscore Smith, which he's done in four straight games now, Terquavion Smith continues to have more usage, and he continues to put up better peripheral stats. And so... The difference is Joyner's just more efficient from the field. Joyner's been shooting the ball really well lately, and he's also been shooting the ball a lot lately. He's taken 17 shots in four straight games, which is kind of wild. Now, in that same stretch, though, Tercravian Smith has taken over 14 shots in five straight games. So you're looking at two guys that are getting a lot of shots or, you know, getting the ball a lot. And Joyner just so happens to be shooting it better right now and scoring more fantasy points. Now, in the previous meeting against Clemson, Terquavian Smith did have 30 fantasy points. Jarkel Joyner only had 18 fantasy points. So, to me, these two guys, I think they're both in play, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, but I think that which one you choose would kind of depend on what you value more when you build your DFS lineups. If you're thinking, well, I'm just going to ride the hot hand and go with what's been trending lately, then just plug in Jarkel Joyner. If you are a guy that thinks that everything regresses to the mean and when the sample size gets larger, then go with Terquavian Smith and his higher usage rate and his higher peripheral stats. Now, obviously, if you don't want to have to make that decision, then don't. There's plenty of other guys on this slate to play other than these two NC State guys. But I definitely think that both of them are in play, and I think that depending on what you value, there's definitely an argument to be made for both Joyner and for Smith. Now, looking further down the board, Kobe Brown of Missouri is one of my favorite plays. Uh, first off, he gets dual eligibility, which is always a plus. And we talked about how much Ken Palm values this matchup, 80 to 77. It's just a great game environment. And we mentioned earlier, Georgia is a bad rebounding team, and they're not really a great defensive team either. They are not the top 100 on Ken Palm on defense. Um, and so they will kind of allow Missouri to push the tempo. They will give up some easy buckets. And when you look at Brown's fantasy outputs, his insane usage and the fact that he plays the four and well, essentially the four, and does so much with the ball in his hands. Like, it gives you a very high floor and a high ceiling. He has over 33 fantasy points in four of his last five games. And in this calendar year, starting January 1, he has four games over 45 fantasy points. So that combination of floor and ceiling, I think you can play him in any format. You can play him in any position with that dual eligibility. Kobe Brown of Missouri is one of my favorite plays of the day. Now, in the UConn-St. John's game, UConn's Jordan Hawkins had 40.8 fantasy points last time against St. John's, which is 
pretty solid. Like we'd, we'd take that any day of the week, right? And that was only on 16 shot attempts, which is not as much as we've seen him take this season. And he didn't have a whole lot of peripheral stats either. So I think that this could actually really be a boom spot for Jordan Hawkins if you don't think that St. John's makes any kind of adjustments to you know kind of put a stop to him this time. Now, the 7K range is actually quite small on this slate. It, it's kind of weird how small the slate is, even though there's so many games and there's so many great players. They're all either in the 8K range or, you know, down way below. Um, Chase Hunter of Clemson is intriguing. He has 27 fantasy points in four straight games, and he has not taken an outrageous number of shots in those games. The only unfortunate thing is I kind of see him being the guy for Clemson that draws Jarkel Joyner as the primary defender, and Jarkel Joyner is a pretty solid perimeter defender. So I don't necessarily know if this is the best spot for Chase Hunter, but I definitely think that his recent production is worth mentioning. I definitely think the fact that he's got a, you know a solid tempo environment with NC State is worth mentioning. But if I was you know if I knew Kevin Keats's game plan, I'd either be willing to play him because he's going to be seeing Terquavian Smith or Casey Marcel, or I'd be wanting to sit him because he's going to be going up against Jarkel Joyner. Now, I really do like a lot of the Missouri guys on this slate. Another one that I do like is Demoy Hodge. Everything I said about the matchup for Kobe Brown applies for Demoy Hodge as well. Um, but Hodge is a lot more volatile when you look at his game long. He does not have a safe floor and he does have a decent ceiling for somebody at his price tag. So he's definitely in play. Just know that you're getting somebody who's pretty volatile at his price tag. Speaking of volatility, heading down to the 6K range, Terry Roberts of Georgia missed some games with injury and he has returned and he's been back for four games. And he's only been over 25 fantasy points once since returning from injury, which some would say is a red flag. And if you're one of those people, that's fine. I get it. Just don't play him. But I think that this is an opportunity where we can be early to Terry Roberts as opposed to being late to Terry Roberts. And if you want to be early to Terry Roberts, playing him on Saturday against Missouri team to push the tempo would be a good spot. He has plenty of upside because before he got injured, he had six games in January where he hit over four times value for this current salary. So he definitely gives you a lot of upside if you're willing to kind of, you know, play it like before seeing it, right? Like, um, you know, I know the phrase seeing is believing is a thing. Well, we haven't seen it since before he got injured, but if you believe it'll happen, then there's definitely some upside for Terry Roberts on this slate. Mark Sears of Alabama, Merritt's mentioning, uh, he did destroyed Arkansas the last time they played. He had 41.5 fantasy points in that game, but his usage has been really inconsistent lately, so I don't know if he's necessarily a safe play, um, but he is a guy that did have a lot of success against this opponent the first time around. Villanova's Justin Moore is another guy that intrigues me. Like Terry Roberts, he has come back from an injury, except this was a season-ending injury that he suffered in the NCAA tournament last season. His last three games, he's starting to pick up and been like the old Justin Moore again, right? He has double-digit shots in his last three games. He had 36 fantasy points in his last game. He is particularly a value on FanDuel, in my opinion. So I think this could be a pretty good spot to go back to Justin Moore. In the 6K range, there are numerous cash game plays in terms of guys that have high ceilings, consistent performances, consistent usage rates or consistent peripheral stats. And Serge Barry Rice and Andre Jackson Jr. represent my two favorite cash game plays in this range. I would have considered putting Devo Davis here, but Nick Smith Jr. being back really cuts into his usage a lot, and I'm really concerned about his production until his price tag starts falling. Now heading down to the 5K range. Oklahoma State's Avery Anderson. He's not in the 5K range, but he is still out for injury. And so Bryce Thompson for Oklahoma State has been the guy who's been carrying the load. He's actually been priced up out of the 5K range, but he may miss this game on Saturday as well. And so if Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson play, or if they miss the game, excuse me, 
that would leave a lot of usage on the table for John Michael Wright. In fact, between Anderson and Thompson, if they both miss, that's a combined 50% usage rate. And John Michael Wright will be going up against a K-State team that likes to push the tempo with a lot of usage up for grabs. This would also bring into play Caleb Asbury and Quion Williams um, at the guard position in terms of, you know, filling that usage void. Quine Williams would be particularly intriguing because he's only $3,100 on DraftKings, and he has back-to-back 15 fantasy point games, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but that's five times value out of $3,100. So I think that all these Oklahoma State guards, if you can get it like nailed down that Bryce Thompson is sitting, then all three of those guys are playable. And in fact, I would consider Quine Williams close to a lineup lock if Thompson and Anderson are both out. Now, there are a few Georgia guys in this 5K range that I would not mind because of that great game environment that we've been talking about. Justin Hill and Cario Akendo could be two of the primary beneficiaries of that. Now, Nick Smith Jr. of Arkansas will be the chalk play in this range. Um, he is finally back from that injury that kept him out so long this season, and he's averaging 30 minutes in his last two games. He had 32 fantasy points in their last game earlier this week, and he had a 26% usage rate in that game. The stats don't lie. He's a great play. He should be priced much higher than he is. He's going to be highly owned, and I'm okay playing him, just no going in that he's going to be highly owned. As we look down the board, the St. John's guys stand out as being interesting, in my opinion. We know about the great game environment, um, but A.J. Storr and Andre Corbello both have pretty solid game logs as well. But the only thing that worries me is that St. John's now has kind of brought all their guards back. Like for a while, they were without Posh Alexander. For a longer time, they were without Andre Corbello. And so you're just kind of looking at a situation where now they're all here again. And so we don't necessarily know what is going to happen with the usage, with the minutes, with the rotations, right? But Andre Corbello in particular feels like a misprice to me. He had 28 fancy points in 23 minutes in his return last game. More than one fancy point a minute out of a guard is really impressive. And so whatever he did to get in trouble with the coaching staff, they didn't seem to hold it against him last game. And so I think that he's actually in a really good spot at that price tag. I could see him being chalky, but I could also see him not just because the St. John situation has been so volatile all season long. So I definitely think he's has the potential to absolutely smash that price tag though. Now the Oklahoma guys in the 4K range all have some upside as well. Bijan Cortez is not playing, so there are even more minutes to go around for Owe and Uzan and Bamasil. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're all like guys that could give you a 30 fantasy point night per se, but Porter Moser seemed pretty committed to playing those three guys um, as well as Grant Sherfield and um, Tanner Groves at the five spot. So I definitely think that there is some upside with those guys. Now, the last play that I will mention for the guard position is Trey Gamillion, 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 Gamillion. I'm going to go with Gamillion. Trey Gamillion of Missouri is the last play that I will mention. He had 26 fantasy points in 28 minutes last game, which is significant because it was his second game back from injury going up against Mississippi State, a team that does not push the tempo very much. And it was a close game, 66-64. So you're looking at a guy who in a close game saw big-time minute load, big-time production, back from injury so like it's not like it was a blowout and they were giving him garbage time irrelevant minutes right they were playing him in a big game and so I definitely think that there is a lot of upside for Trey Chameleon in the 3k range all right that does it for the guard position I got to get my voice back so I'm going to take a quick breather and then we're going to break down the big fellas 
All right, the first Florida on the board on this Saturday main slate is Azulis Tubelis of Arizona. And by no means is he a safe play for a guy at this price tag. However, he does carry a lot of upside. He hasn't been over 25 fantasy points in three games. And in those three games, he's only taken a total of 26 shots, which is not much for what he's been doing this season. Now, one interesting trend that I noticed about Tubelis, though, is he seems to do a lot better against the team the second time he plays them. At least he has in this Pac-12 schedule so far. So first off, he did have 33 fantasy points against Arizona State the first time, which simply would not cut it for a guy at this price tag. I mean, it wouldn't kill you, but it's not what you're looking for when you play a guy at this price tag, right? Now, what I did mention, though, is he's been better the second time around against these teams. So, So here are the numbers. In the three rematches he's played so far this season, he's had 63, 46, and 39 fantasy points. It's pretty darn solid. And so if that is a trend that is going to continue, then I would tend to think that this could be a good day for Azulis Tubelis. But like I said, he certainly carries a lot of risk. Now, Brandon Miller of Alabama has shown this season that he has an absolutely incredible ceiling. However, I'm kind of thinking that ownership is going to be back on him on this Saturday slate, right? I almost said tomorrow when I'm recording this on a Friday night, but y'all get what I'm saying. The ownership, I think, is going to be too high. And that is because on Wednesday night, nobody wanted to play him because of everything going around with that situation, right? And so everybody didn't know if he was going to play, if he was going to sit, if he was going to you know, be suspended, if he was going to be charged. Like nobody knew what was going to happen. And it kind of seems like now, like, you know, he had that great performance, and now everybody's like, oh, like, like that's how he's going to play? Like, he, he's going to just, you know, go through this by just balling out? Like, okay. And I think people are going to be absolutely on him on this Saturday slate because now there's no risk of playing him and him getting suspended, at least or so it seems. And now people think that, you know, his mental game is at a state where, okay, he's just going to just ball out of control while all this is going on, right? And so I think more people are going to play them than should happen. And so that probably makes him less of an appealing play in a GPP than he would be without all of the off-the-court drama going on. I hope that all makes sense, but I don't think he's a bad play. I just think that with the situation that's going on, I think people are actually going to rush to play him because it made too much sense to fade him Wednesday night. And so what ended up happening was there were some smart people who played him and he ended up doing well and he ended up being super under-owned. And so now I think that it's going to swing back to being over-owned, right? Now, anyway, enough about that situation. Let's talk about um, the St. John's UConn game. So Joel Soriano and Adama Sanogo both had nice games against each other in the first matchup between these two teams. Soriano had 37.8 fantasy points. Sanogo had 33.5 fantasy points. Not bad performance out of both of them. On paper, Sanogo seems like the better play um, because of the projected team total, the fact that UConn's expected to win this game. And UConn is a better rebounding team than St. John's. And so that edge would seem to sway with Sanogo as opposed to Soriano. Now for Clemson, both Hunter Tyson and P.J. Hall have an on-paper good matchup against NC State. Now one thing that is noteworthy is that Jack Clark may miss this game for NC State, which would mean that Hunter Tyson would likely be the one that is going to be guarded by Gant and Ross. And I don't necessarily know if I like that. Like Jack Clark's not a bad defender, but Gant and Ross are two guys that like like they kind of belong on the 1989 Detroit Pistons. Like they they just kind of go out there to just kind of beat up on you for 40 minutes and, you know, play hard defense and play physical, and, and, and they're both pretty athletic guys. And so I don't necessarily know if that would be a good thing for Hunter Tyson if that does happen. Now what is notable is that the first time they did play, 
Um, DJ Burns of NC State was not really a big part of their rotation yet. I'm going to more about him later. Um, but Hunter Tyson did have 52.8 fantasy points, and PJ Hall had 22.3 fantasy points. So, you know, even though, like I said, the matchup seems to have reversed themselves at this point, um, Tyson did do much better in that first matchup. So maybe on paper, Hall has a better matchup right now, but Tyson does have that history going for him. In the 7K range, I like Toulouse Smith of Mississippi State a lot against Texas A&M. Throughout this season, Toulouse Smith has done his best work against smaller teams. We're talking Ole Miss, Missouri, and TCU with no Eddie Lampkin. And Texas A&M does not have a guy in their rotation that is taller than 6'9". So I really like this as a spot for Toulouse Smith. He's shown as much upside as the guys in the 8 and 9K range, except you're getting him a little bit cheaper down here just because he hasn't been as consistently good. But that upside is still there, and I think that he could hit it against an undersized Texas A&M team. DJ Mearns is here in the 7K range again, and y'all, like, I'm not opposed to playing him on any given night because he does have an incredibly high usage rate. He's going to like absolutely get buckets every night. Like he just has such great touch around the rim. NC State looks defeated to him. Um, and he is really their primary rebounder at this point as well. So I, I think he's a solid play. I don't think Clemson's necessarily the best matchup for him, given the fact that they played two bigs and they're both pretty solid. But I, you know, he's going to be a play night in and night out because of that high usage rate. Speaking of high usage rate, let's talk about Fardal's AMAC. So he has had back-to-back games for Texas Tech, over 33 fantasy points. He had double-digit shots in both those games. He had double-doubles, points, and rebounds in both those games. Now, he has not played a whole lot this season due to coming back from injury, but he has a 25% usage rate on the season, which is pretty crazy for a big man in college basketball right now. And personally, I think he could be a bad matchup for Eddie Lampkin. Eddie Lampkin doesn't really like to be drawn out of the perimeter. He likes to stay in the paint where he's comfortable. And I think AMAC is a versatile enough offensive piece. Um, they kind of use him this, like, don't take this out of context. They kind of use him in their offense similar to an Embiid or a Jokic where they'll bring him out and they'll do dribble handoff action or, or you know, they'll have him screen and roll or like um, give and goes. Like they kind of use him as like a chess piece out on the perimeter as well as on the inside. And so I think that this could be a really good spot for Ferdal's AMAC. The 6K range, honestly, is kind of uneventful on this slate. The one guy that I do like is Jalen Hill of Oklahoma. And depending on your argument, I could see um, you playing him in a cash game or in a GPP setting. Cash game because he's been super consistent. He has four straight games of 24 fantasy points or more, and he had 38.5 against Iowa State the last time these two teams played. GPP play because, simply put, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of ownership to click on Jalen Hill. That's been the case kind of all season for a lot of these Oklahoma guys, and it's not on paper the most up-tempo friendly matchup against Iowa State. So I definitely see this being a low-owned, solid GPP play as well as a cash game play because of his consistency. Now, in the 5K range, one of my favorite plays is Braylon Bridges of Georgia. He's five straight games over 19 fantasy points, and one of those was a 42 fantasy point performance. We've talked about this great game environment against Missouri, and I think this could be a solid spot for him. Another guy in the 5K range that is intriguing is Jonathan Chachua. Nailed it. Jonathan Chachua of Baylor had his best game of the season in their last game against Kansas State. He played 24 minutes in that game, had 32.5 fantasy points. That's about 1.3 fantasy points per minute. And Texas tends to struggle against big men who can score and rebound. And I, I don't necessarily know if scoring is his forte, but he can definitely get you rebounds and he can finish down low around the rim. So I think this would be a really solid spot for Chamwachachua. 
In the 4K range, Missouri's Muhammad Diara drew his first start for the team this season on Tuesday and, and had 15 fantasy points in 17 minutes. While I would have liked to see a higher minute load, that rate per minute is pretty solid. That's about 0.9 per minute. And if he's able to keep that up in this tempo environment against Georgia, he could be in for a big night. Eddie Lampkin at TCU is a guy that I've actually mentioned in passing on this podcast a few times already. He's a guy that I usually don't play a whole lot just because, like, he's had a lot going against him this season. First off, he is a very big fella, so he does not play, like, 35 minutes a game. He's not going to give you something like that. And he fouls a lot, so he can find himself in foul trouble. There's always a risk there. And he's been dealing with injury, and he hasn't been 100% a long, long time. But I think at the price tag that he's at, And the fact that he seems healthy, I think that he's worth a look. In their last game, he had 16.5 fantasy points in 24 minutes. That's a fairly solid minute total for him. And I think the rate per minute in terms of fantasy points per minute is usually much better for Eddie Lampkin. So I think that there is potential for that to increase. And in the previous matchup against Texas Tech, he had 18.5 fantasy points. That's all he would need to pay off his price tag down here as low as he is in the 4K range on DraftKings. Now, in the 3K range, there are two guys worth mentioning, and they play in the same game. First one is Clemson's Ian Scheifelin. He may be worth a look after his 30-minute, 30-fantasy-point performance against Syracuse. Now, that could just be an aberration. It could just be a 2-3 zone thing. I don't know. But you, you score 30 fantasy points and your price tags in the 3K. You, you got to be worth consideration, right? Now, if both teams play their normal rotations, um, he will have a massive size advantage on whoever plays the 3 for NC State, whether it is Casey Morsell um, or... Like maybe Turquavian Smith. I think it's more likely Marcel that plays the minutes at the three, though. Now, that also reminds me of NC State. If Jack Clark misses this game, Ernest Ross is back in play. Ernest Ross has been the primary fishery of the Jack Clark injury, which he had for about a month earlier in the season, and so he is definitely a guy worth looking into. He is definitely rosterable at 3.7K on DraftKings. All right, so that does it for the forward position, and that does it for the Saturday main slate analysis. So here's what you guys need to do. You guys need to make your lineups now, right? Hopefully I gave you guys plenty of plays, plenty of advice that can help you build out your lineups for the Saturday main slate. If you want to know how I start to build my lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, dang, I kind of like this analysis, but I want it for the afternoon and the night slates. Well, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'll be dropping some previews and some analysis for the Saturday afternoon night slates, um, as well as the Sunday slate coming up. And that will have to tide you over until our next episode drops for the Monday night college basketball games. If you want to be notified when that next episode drops, make sure you hit that subscribe button and please rate and review. It really helps me out a lot. I'm trying to make this into the biggest college basketball DFS podcast in the world, and I can only do it with you guys' help. All right, so that does it for this Saturday preview. Hopefully, you guys got all the information you needed. Um, Best of luck to everybody in their DFS adventures this Saturday, and I hope I will see you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you all next time. (music) 